welcome you this uh, Sunday morning, March the 22nd, here from World Outreach Worship Center. First off, I'd like to thank our crew that has been here, the music and the worship team with Pastor Larry and all the musicians and singers. Thank you for bringing that awesome worship to us. That's what we do at World Outreach Worship Center, and we believe in the God who is the way maker. So we're believing him to make a way for us through all of this COVID-19 crisis and all of the effects that it's having on all of us around the world. So thank you for our team. Thank you for our media team, Jeff Holly, Jeff South, and uh, everybody that's here to make this happen to you, to bring this into your home. We can't come together, but yet we can stay connected And the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. These are wonderful opportunities today to uh, uh, minister to the Lord and find unique and creative ways. You know, when the Israelites came to the Red Sea led by Moses and there was a sea before them, the Pharaoh's army, the chariots and the shouting of the soldiers that they could hear approaching behind them, their options became very limited. They had nowhere to go. But when our options get limited, that's when the opportunities open up by the hand of God. So today, as we're going through our own perilous crisis and the COVID-19 and all the threats and that it's bringing and the anxiety that it's bringing, yes, the options are limited. Stores are closing. Workplaces are closing. We're uh, confined sometimes at home. Several states in the nation are confined at home. Israel is on a seven-day lockdown in all the country. You can't even go out of the house except for extreme emergencies and to purchase food. Peru is on the lockdown. They can go out and get groceries one time a week, talk to the missionaries that are there. So uh, the options are limited and narrowing down on us. But don't panic. Because during these times of limited options, God is opening opening up brand new, creative, awesome opportunities for you and I as a church, the body of Jesus Christ, to shine in this time. So we still have our phones, we can still text, we can still live stream, we can still communicate, and uh, we can still pick up the telephone in the old-fashioned way and call somebody and email somebody and tweet somebody. And uh, so our options are not... Uh, may be limited, but the opportunities are there, and they're, they're going to be even more so opening up. I want to encourage you right now, before we really go any further, we're going to do a few announcements here in our preliminaries. I want to encourage you to go find something at the end of this service today. Sylvia's going to come and join me, and we're going to take communion together. So even if it's a piece of bread, if it's a cracker, uh, you may not have the communion elements at your house. You may not have the matzah there, but uh, I'm going to just say this. And not, not being sacrilegious, but anything will work, okay, in these circumstances. It's our heart that matters. So go get something that you and your family there with you can take communion with, even if it's orange juice, apple juice, or just plain old water. Sometimes on the mission field, Sylvia and I pre-dip matzah and put it in a little baggie and take it with us. It may be a little soggy, but at least we're participating in the Lord's uh, Supper and Communion when we're on the mission field. And I want to encourage you, uh, you can go Amazon now and get the Meal That Heals by Perry Stone and understand the importance of taking communion with your, yourself and your family on a daily basis. It's, it's really powerful, and so I uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, Of course, all of our ministry meetings and events have been postponed or some of them are passed and even canceled, of course. 
Last night, we would have been together at the missions banquet over at DCA in the Family Life Center, but we're still receiving offerings for our missionaries, so I want to encourage you. And what I've decided to do since many of you or most of us or all of us have been out gathering things for our house, foodstuffs and items, just trying to prepare for if we do get quarantined, that uh, some of you have had to spend extra money on that. Some of you may not be able to work right now. Your income may be drastically reduced. So we want to expand or extend the time of giving for our missionaries. Not only in March or today would have been our main day to receive it, but we want to extend it into April. So now through March and then through April, that'll give you a chance to uh, catch up, hopefully, and to be able to give. Maybe all these stimulus packages that the government's trying to do, maybe we'll receive them by then, and that'll help carry us through that too. Our first help comes from the Lord, who's our very present help and need. So, you know, I don't want to depend on the government. I want to depend upon God's kingdom and God's economy. That's number one. And the Lord you can trust in. He's a very present help in every time of need. So let's trust the Lord first. But in your giving, you can do that. And uh, there's ways of giving your tithe, your offering. You can give it uh, the website, go to the Give tab, just follow through it. It's really simple. Some people are afraid of that or think that, you know, you don't have to do it on a recurring basis. You can do it on as each time. I do it each time as if I've, uh, it's the first time. I don't do it on a recurring basis. It doesn't store my credit card. It doesn't store my information. I just don't like to operate that way. Some people do. I personally choose not to do that. So you can do it that way. You can also, through the app, uh, you can give there, you can give Facebook, we'll direct you to it, or you can still, as long as we're open, we're trying to be open here at the office Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Several folks have brought both their tithe and their missions pledges by. You can do that, or you can put a check or money order in the mail if you're able to do that. Do not put your cash in the mail. It's too dangerous, always has been, always will be, so... Just uh, follow those guidelines, and the Lord's going to help us and, and bless us in that. We want to take a time of prayer and pray for those that are in the hospital or that have had surgery. Some people have, within the congregation, have been diagnosed with very severe cases of flu. Uh, some of them have been hospitalized. They did take the corona. Uh, test, coronavirus test, and they thank the Lord did not have coronavirus, but just had a severe case of flu, and some of them are still recovering from that. Others have already recovered, but we want to pray for them and, and just other needs that we want to pray. So join me right now as we pray and just lift up these in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, today. We thank you for the goodness of the Lord that we're still able to communicate and come into the hearts and the homes and the lives of your people, God, and many others, Lord. I've received a lot of text and a lot of correspondence that people are appreciating the daily little devotional times and just touching base and prayer with people. And today, Lord, thank you that, Lord, your presence is here with us in this sanctuary, Lord. And we're trying to have as normal as a worship experience with you and the word being given with you as we can, humanly possible. And we just thank you, Lord, that today your word will go forth. It will not return void, but it will accomplish what you send it to do and you purpose it to do. So we thank you for this, Lord. We pray for the many that are uh, recovering. We pray for those that are sick. We pray for those that are hospitalized. We pray for those that are in the shut-in shut mode of their life, the nursing homes, Lord. We pray for those that have had loved ones that have passed away during this critical times. And a funeral is a hard thing to even uh, do and carry out because of the restrictions on the number of people that can gather. Lord, we just pray for great grace and mercy 
and creativity and wisdom over them, Lord, as they, uh, the families gather together and as they minister to one another, Lord, we just pray that Holy Spirit touch them, Lord. We pray for this congregation here at World Outreach Worship Center, Lord, that you would just bring peace, comfort, and grace to them, Lord, during this uh, could be a very stressful time. It's very different. And you're the God of creation. And we ask you to touch us to be creative, Lord, in the way that we minister now, Lord. The church is being stretched as the whole world is being stretched. Businesses are closing and drive-by takeouts. And even, even some of the merchandise stores are, or the doors are closed to go in. And that you call ahead or you order online and you drive by and you pick it up at the curb. Lord, these are just uh, different times. As Joshua said with the children of Israel, Lord, go with us. We've never walked this way before. And that is true right now. We are making a new form of history. And we ask you, Lord, that your church, the body of Jesus Christ, not only at WOW, on Hampton Roads in the state of Virginia, throughout this nation, throughout the world, Lord, strengthen your people, Lord. Strengthen our national, our state, and our local leaders, Lord. Our governors, our mayors, our city councils, our president, Lord, and all of the, the, the staff and the, the, those that work with them, Lord. This uh, medical advisory staff, Lord. We just pray for the medical doctors and scientists looking for a vaccine for the coronavirus, Lord. We ask you to bless them, keep them safe, keep them well, as well as us, Father. We ask this and believe you for it in the awesome name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, Father. And Lord, I just lay hands on these tithe envelopes that many of them have prayer requests on the back of them today. That as your people, Lord, go to that give tab, Lord, that they'd just be blessed of you to give to the missionaries, give their tithe to World Outreach Worship Center, bring their tithe, sow their tithe, Lord, and we ask that you bless their jobs, Lord. Some of them are working at home. Some of them may not be able to receive pay right now. We ask you, Lord, supernatural provision of your kingdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen for that. Thank the Lord. I want to bring a message to you today. Uh, uh, probably going to be a little bit ab abbreviated time with you today, but that's okay. And then if you're watching the 830 service, uh, touch, uh, reach out and call those that uh, you know go to the 1130 service. It'll be live streamed for them too, same regular times. And then on Wednesday night at 715, we'll be live streaming with you again until we get through all of this. And uh, we've even offered to other churches in the area that we could help them to record and then to uh, present their live stream services to their congregations. Not all of them have the equipment or the ability to do that. So our media team, I'm, I'm kind of putting them on the spot right now that they, are, they gave me the thumbs up in the way. They'll help. So I appreciate that. We've got a super media team here and all the staff here at WOW and all the people here. You guys are great and we love you and just we're thankful to be able to be with you. I want to return to the series on the Beatitudes called Pursuing God's Blessings through the Beatitudes, and today I want to talk to you about the mystery or the secret of empty-handedness, and this is really a part two to Matthew 5, 3 that says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, and so that message that I ministered a couple of weeks ago on the poor in spirit, and it's meaning it, there's, there's a little more to that Blessed are the poor in spirit before we can move on to the other four pieces of the Beatitudes that were spoken by Jesus. So the core message of being blessed in the spirit is that of being humble and realizing in ourselves that we do not have what it takes to have the righteousness of God 
on our own, on our own. Our righteousness was purchased by Jesus Christ. And how fitting this message really is and timely it is in this season that we're in. We just Friday concluded the Esther Fast worldwide. Over 70,000 people globally participated in the Esther Fast that we know of that was recorded and uh, registered for that. I'm sure other people are praying and fasting on their own that were not part of a united group. But yet, uh, it's a time that we are realizing that, Lord, uh, we're, we're not doing very well handling the earth and life on our own right now. So the Beatitudes, blessed of the poor in spirit, it really fits into that theme right now of humbling ourselves before the Lord. So blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the message of humility, which is at the core of who the Lord wants us to become so that he can take us into and through this journey of Christ-likeness. Now, humility, it will be a challenge for two reasons for all of us, no matter what background you're from or, or what country or nation you're from or what language you speak. Humility is going to be a challenge to us for two reasons. Number one, it goes against the grain of our human nature, our culture. Secondly, it goes against the grain or against the belief systems of religion. If you've heard me teach or preach before, religion is very different than a relationship. God wants us, and Jesus came to give us a relationship, not a religion. And I just want to touch on what religion is today. Religion works on the idea that you have to live a life, keep a set of rules or sayings or mantras or, or commitments, that, uh, and live a life that's pleasing to God in order to win His favor, in order to appease the gods, so to speak. You have to earn points or merits, or earn something by a sacrificial type of lifestyle. That's what religion teaches us. All religions in the world, except Christianity, teach us that. And, and they have paths of right choices and proper disciplines and following those right pathways to, to, end, to have life. But at the end of the day, religion all boils down to merit. Merit says and asks the question, did you earn it? Did you, did you earn the peace? Did you earn the joy? Did you earn the position in eternity that you were working for? And I just want to touch on a moment, and please hear my heart today. I am not downing other world religions. I'm just stating some simple facts. It's a very abbreviated statement this morning, but I looked at their religious uh, world religions including Christianity, and just I want to just share with you their main tenets of what they believe of how a person's going to find peace, how a person's going to find eternity, how a person is going to find the way to live in this life and the future life. All of them believe in a future life, so we know that. So the first one I want to share with you is uh, their, how their effort to attain their goals is Hinduism. Hinduism is the goal to be free from karma. Uh, it's a continuous re reincarnations due to something you've done wrong in a previous life. You keep being reincarnated to hopefully act right, live according to karma, and get it right so you can progress and not have to continue to be reincarnated. The ways that they achieve perfection is by being lovingly devoted to any of the Hindu deities. Well, pick one. There's only 300 million of them, so you'll pick one or pick several. And then you, you're supposed to grow in knowledge through uh, meditation of Brahman 
And that is selfhood as an illusion because only Brahman is real. And then you're to be dedicated to these various religious ceremonies and rites. Now, believe me, that's only a very abbreviated description of Hinduism. Next is New Age spirituality. The goal of New Age spirituality is to promote the development of the person's own power of deity which lies within them. That's what they believe. Ways to achieve their goal, it's not by the acknowledgement of a personal God who's a creator like Christianity believes in, but New Age spiritualism, spiritualism refers to a higher consciousness that they say all humans have within themselves, and it's the self is seen as the deity, which is the cosmos of the universe, and you have to get in touch with the deity, the, the divineness that's within you, and develop that and let it come out. And ways of doing that is through yoga and meditation and, and all kinds of ways like that that they practice. And New Age spirituality, there's no reality uh, outside of what a person determines uh, a, a person. It's becoming the God themselves, and they create their own reality. So it's very, very interesting if you ever talk to somebody in New Age spirituality. You feel like the dog that's chasing his tail. It never stops, and it always just goes in circles. And then Buddhism is another world religion. Buddhism really doesn't worship any gods or the God that we know as Christians. Buddhists worship the Buddha, uh, worship the Buddha. We know it, the little statue that you see in a lot of places. And it's uh, Siddhartha uh, Gautama, and who is, was a human being, who he never really claimed to be divine or a god. He is viewed by Buddhists as having attained what all Buddhists are striving to attain spiritual enlightenment with freedom from the continuous cycle of life and death. They believe in countless rebirths, that you're born again and over and over and over again, that hopefully you'll, you'll get better and you'll, you'll act better in that life and you'll come back better. The, the goal is to purify one's heart and in order to let go of all of the yearnings toward any kind of sensual desires and the attachment to oneself that we have in this earthly life. Their attempt is to be free uh, to be free is by practicing prayers, meditations, fastings, self-discipline, helping them to achieve what's called nirvana, which is described as a state of blowing out of the flame of desire. In other words, you've become so detached from this world that you're not allured, you're not attached, you're not connected about, to anything in this world. You, you have total freedom, and that, that is what they say is the, the goal that they're trying to achieve. Muslims, what do, what do Muslims believe? They believe that in one God called Allah. They claim that Allah is infinitely superior and transcendent from all of humankind. They believe that everything happens, everything that happens in life, it's Allah's will, uh, and He's both powerful and very strict. Allah is a very strict God. That's why we see uh, Muslims that are uh, uh, terrorists and, and fanatical Muslims. That's why we see how they react like they do. To achieve their goal in Muslim and Islam, they have to practice five pillars of religious duty, and they have to repeat a creed about Allah and Muhammad every day. They have to recite certain prayers in Arabic five, day, five times a day. That's why you see them or hear about them. They roll out their prayer rug or prayer mat and pray no matter where they are, you know, and we have to allow them to do that wherever it happens. Uh, thirdly, they believe in giving to the needy. And then fourthly, one month of each year, they fast from food, drink, sex, and smoking from sunrise to sunset. And, and after, after sunset, it's, everything goes, so, except for those that are really, truly religious. 
and don't do those other things. They worship, their worship and acceptance is through good deeds and religious rituals that they observe. Now, the fifth pillar is they have to make, they're required, if you're true Islam or, practice or practicing uh, Islam or Muslim, is that you're supposed to make a pilgrimage one time in your lifetime to worship at the shrine in Mecca. Of course, I saw a month or two ago that is totally banned now because of the coronavirus, and it's too, too risky to do that. Their hope at death is to have done enough to be allowed access to heaven. And if they haven't done enough, which they'll find out somewhere down the line later, if they haven't done enough, then they end up eternally punished in hell. They do believe in hell. Some of these other world religions don't believe in hell. And then fifth world religion I want to just share briefly today is Christianity. In Christianity, it's the belief there's one eternal loving God who is creator of all. And he offers everyone a personal relationship with himself now in this life through his son, Jesus Christ, based on trust in what Christ did for us on the cross, not on our uh, works or self-effort. Jesus was deity who became one of us, flesh and human, in order to die as a sacrifice for our sins. Christianity believes that all have sinned, thus we all are in need of a Savior. And Christianity also believes there's a place in eternity for all, and those who choose Jesus as Savior are going to be with the Heavenly Father in heaven and others who have that same faith. And, but those who reject the plan of salvation that God has offered us through Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity separated from the Father also in a place called hell. So among the world religions, there's great diversities. So Hindus acknowledge multitudes of gods and goddesses, over 300 million. Buddhists say there is no deity. Uh, New Age spirituality, uh, they follow uh, they, what they believe in themselves as a deity and a god. Muslims believe in an all-powerful, all powerful, sorry, but unknowable God. Christians believe in a loving God who created us to know him now and also to be able to live uh, eternally with him. And the second challenge of, uh, to, humili- I'm sorry, to humility is that the blessings of the Lord make humility harder. I've said for several years, I've noticed in my own life and I've noticed in the life of other people, when God blesses us, it's a very dangerous time as a Christian because our human nature is to start thinking we've done something to earn those blessings and so we got have a special place with God and in that we start kind of relaxing in our hunger and thirsting for the Lord and we kind of ease up and we kind of let up on our prayer life, our devotional life, our, our worship of the Lord. So being blessed by the Lord, it's a wonderful place to be and God adds his blessings without, you know, without uh without evil things happening to us, but yet it's a, it's a dangerous time that we need to stay on guard. So the, the poor in spirit experience the blessings of the Lord, but the, the more you experience those blessings, sometimes it's harder or more difficult for us to remain poor in spirit. We all have a bad habit as a human being to start taking credit for and stop being humble and giving God the thanks and the glory for his blessings upon our life. And I've learned in the last several years, I don't want to just seek the hand of the Lord from which his blessings comes. I want to seek the face of God in a relationship with him. If you seek the face of God and you know the Lord, he is going to take care of you. He promises you that in the scriptures of Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
we should, we, that's enough right there. But then it goes on to say, but all these things will be added to you. And that's in the context of things that people are looking for in this life, food and clothing and shelter and all those things. So, okay. Sometimes we rejoice because when we get blessed, when we kind of forget where we came from, sometimes we rejoice over our marriage while we know others are falling apart around us. And we're glad. We say, well, I'm glad that we're not like that. And then we're proud of our promotions sometimes and our raises at job or, or at a boys or pats on the back. And sometimes we may tend to look down our noses or become a little uh, snobbish or proudful at those who didn't get a raise or didn't get the promotion. Maybe they're not as good as us, smart as us, you know, can't run as fast as us or do as much as us. So, and then we're tempted with this sometimes sneaking feeling that we must be doing something right and we've captured God's favor. Therefore, God, we deserve the blessings that the Lord is giving to us where others aren't quite as blessed as we are. What a dangerous attitude to have. Uh, Jesus said in Mark 10, 24, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. He didn't say a rich person couldn't go to heaven. He just said it would be more difficult if they trust in their riches rather than trusting in the salvation that the Lord has provided for him, them through Jesus Christ. I want to uh, share with you seven blessings for those that come to the Lord empty-handed or poor in spirit, realizing that they don't have enough within themselves to measure up to the Lord. We're all poor in spirit. We're beginning to realize in America that our security of our, our financial structure, our stock market, our food chain, even our government, they're, they're doing everything that they can to help us. But, uh, you know, we're facing crisis. We're facing empty shelves. We're facing we can't find what we need. Our options are running out. So we're having to, we're, we're looking at new opportunities in the Lord. So I want to share with you uh, seven blessings that come for those that can realize that empty-handedness, being poor in spirit, it is a blessing. Number one, empty-handedness, it will release you from the thinking that God owes you something. You know, God doesn't owe us anything. If we got what we deserve from the Lord, we would all be in trouble. I doubt we'd be here now. And, and we would like to, sometimes I think some of us would like to rewrite God's job description towards us. Uh, because we would require the Lord, we'd say, we'd kind of make our own commandments, something like, maybe sounds like this. Thou shalt provide a level of income that will sustain my chosen lifestyle. Or thou shalt give us joy and fulfillment in mutually satisfying relationships. And or another commandment we might write in the job's description, God's God job description for us. Thou shalt insulate our loved ones and our home from the suffering experienced by others in this world. We'd all like that to happen, wouldn't we? We're seeing that it's not happening. And definitely our brothers and sisters in Christ that are in parts of the world are suffering right now. I get emails and our missionaries, the very ones that we're supporting from World Outreach Worship Center. I've been sharing with you that many of them are facing a new level of persecution, a new level of financial stress, uh, hindering ministry. Outreach opportunities are kind of narrowing down for them. And they face a world that you and I don't know about. And uh, we hope that it doesn't come to us, but yet we're not exempt. And God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe us a sheltered or protected life. As a matter of fact, you know, the Scripture says those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In some form or another, we're going to suffer some type of persecution. And I don't believe we're going through the great tribulation, 
But I believe we're going to see some difficult times before the Lord comes, before you may draw your last breath, or before the Lord comes and catches us out, rapio, raptures us out of this life. We're going to see some things. We're starting to see it, and, and it's increasing more and more. I'm not trying to alarm you. I'm, try, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you, as Jesus said, so these things don't catch you off guard. So, you know, we think we, we'd like to rewrite God's, God's job description. So, woe be to the God that does not meet our expectations, you know. Because what sometimes Christians do, they kind of withdraw or begin to pout or get sullen or sulk on God and, and uh, show God, well, I'll show God, you know, I just won't serve him and I just won't, I just won't give to the Lord. I just won't support the kingdom of God. I'll, I won't go to church anymore. I won't pray. I won't read my Bible. I won't worship the Lord anymore. I'll, I'll just kind of take a time off from the Lord, you know, until God sees it my way. I've had that kind of attitude before. And you know what? God doesn't attend our pity parties. Selah. Let that sink in today. God is not impressed by our pouting. He's not moved by it. He's not moved by our, our tears of feeling sorry for ourselves. Uh, the Lord will let you go through that pity party on your own. And, of course, when you try to drag others into it, it may work for a while. But after a while, people get tired of your complaining and whining and griping and, and your woe, woe is me's and poor me. The Lord will let you sit there out of his mercy and grace until you wake up and come back to him and realize, and I've had to do it before, God, I am so sorry. I'm the one who's wrong. You're right. And when you return to the Lord, you'll find the Lord right where you left him. He doesn't move. It's us that move. So woe be to the God that doesn't meet our expectation. Pride says, well, I've given something to God. I've given everything to God. I've given my time, my talent, my treasure. I've given my prayers. I've given so much to God. God owes me something bigger and better in payment for my gifts to him. Pride says, and if this is your attitude, I want to tell you, you are on your way to a great, and I'm going to use the word horrendous, disappointment uh, because, uh, uh, because, and bitterness and resentment will set into your life. Destructive attitudes will come into your own life. But the poor in spirit, those that come to the Lord with that empty handedness and say, God, you really don't owe me anything. And I, I owe you everything. And that's what the poor in spirit says. I owe God everything. And I can really give him nothing, but yet God owes me nothing, but yet he's given me everything. We need to get delivered from the lie that tells us God owes us something. The second blessing of empty-handedness, what that will do for you if you'll come to the Lord and realize you don't have enough in yourself and come to the Lord empty-handed, it'll position you to ask and receive prayer. It's been said that a poor man is ever begging, and he who is poor in spirit is much in prayer. Now, that's not a scripture, but you can look at life, and it's true. Jesus tells the story in Luke 18, 9 through 14, about the story of two men who went up to the temple to worship. One was a Pharisee who pointed out to the Lord righteous life of fasting, giving as a tither, praying. He wasn't a swindler. He wasn't a cheat. He wasn't an adulterer. He wasn't like other people, especially he wasn't like that publican, that tax collector that was across the temple room who was a, a tax collector, you could say he was a despised IRS agent. That's what the equivalent would be in today's world. And the tax collector stood afar off 
And he would not even lift his eyes up to the Lord, but he beat his chest and he begged for mercy, saying to the Lord, please be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that that tax collector that was poor in spirit came with empty handedness. That man went home justified rather than the Pharisee who was self-righteous. Jesus went on to say, the person who humbles himself will be exalted. The third, a blessing of being empty-handed and coming to the Lord, realizing that you don't have what it takes in yourself, it will help you to be able to bear affliction. Well, that's probably going to come in real handy about this time in our life with this COVID-19 virus of bearing affliction or going through some things and doing without some things. I know people are stocking up and they're even tell us to stock up for 90 days. And I would encourage you to do that. Listen, Rabbi Eric of Zion's sake and I have been telling our congregations, you need to be prepared and have things at home to take you through the long haul in case some kind of catastrophe happened. Guess what? This, this is it. Uh, um, there's already states in the nation, California, New York, New Jersey, those that I think right now, they are quarantined. They're not even supposed to go out of their house except for emergencies to the grocery store and uh, doctors and stuff like that. Elective uh, medical procedures are off, only emergencies. And so who knows how far this will go. They're telling us we're not at the end. We're not at the bottom of this yet. Who knows how long. Some are even saying, and I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to be very careful to who I listen to to share it with you. I don't want to cause alarm and panic. I don't want to scare you, but I want to prepare you. I say that. And uh, I don't want to, sp- I want to spread the word and not the virus. So uh, I've kind of Got to quoting those kind of things. I'm kind of like Pastor J.R. Gurley picked up these little sayings to help me through it, hopefully to help you through it too. But be prepared, and uh, be prepared not only for yourself, but be prepared to help your neighbors. Uh, we've been helping our neighbors. Who, they're literally petrified to go out of their house. They're not going to work. They do the kind of work that they have to deal with a lot of people in public. They're not going to work. Their kids are not going to school. They literally will not come out of their house. When we take things over to them, they peek through the window with the door, and they open the door to receive what we bring them. They're not coming out. They're not letting us in. Uh, so there's people like that, paranoid, scared. So being empty-handed to the Lord, it'll probably, it's probably going to be very significant to help us through this time to be able to bear affliction. 1 Peter 4.12 says this, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. We're in a test as though something strange were happening to you. So how do we prepare? Here's what the word says the next few, or in the next chapter, 1 Peter 5. How do we prepare ourselves when we know a trial is upon us or most likely we're headed into it? 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, do this. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God because the Lord opposes the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. That's what being poor in spirit is all about coming to the Lord with humility, trusting in Him with all of our heart, not relying in our own strength. And you know, the world says when the tough, when 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 times get tough, the tough get going. Well, that's not what Bible says. And I realize there's a certain amount of tenacity and grit and fortitude we all must have to to make it through situations. And and that is true. But who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? If it's yourself, if it's the government, it's the economy, it may not hold up for you. If it's the Lord, 
No problem. The Lord can be trusted and leaned upon the Lord. It says it's better to lean upon the Lord than it is upon princes or mankind. Proverbs 16, 5 says this, Everyone who's arrogant in their heart is an abomination to the Lord. The Bible doesn't use that word abomination a whole lot of times. When it does, it means it's bad. You can translate in Hebrew and Greek, bad. Bad means bad. And an abomination to the Lord is something that really is an offense to the Lord. And those that are arrogant in their heart, they are offensive to the Lord because they're trusting in themselves and not in the Lord. He wants to be our Father. He is our Father. He is our provider. And when we don't let Him do that and we trust, uh, trust ourselves, we are ca- canceling God out. And when you cancel God out, you're on your own. And that's not a good place to be. So the pursuit of humility, it may not be the first strategy for finding strength to face in difficulty that most people choose, being humble. But since God gives grace to the humble, I think it would follow that humility will help us to be able to endure times of trial. The fourth blessing of being empty-handedness is it will nourish our love for other people. Listen, we can't just think about ourselves through this. We need to think about others. We need to be praying for others. We need to be praying for those that are sick. We need to be praying for the first responders. They don't get to hide behind the house at home. They have to be out there taking care of the sick, responding to emergencies. We need to pray for them. We need to pray for our government on our national, state, and local levels. They're having to make hard decisions and and make plans for us to take care of all of us. So we need to pray for them. We need to pray for their salvation. We need to pray that there would be a great awakening in the United States of America and the world that God didn't send coronavirus, but we're just praying God use this to wake people up to realize they are poor in spirit without you. We are as God's people. They are without the Lord. So it'll nourish your love for others. Pride always is self-seeking and it can be easily provoked, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It's, it's, and it's, pride is the opposite of love, which love says, it, which does not boast and is not irritable or resentful. Pride is like a bucket of cold water that's poured on the fires of love in a marriage or any other relationship. Pride will kill a relationship. Pride will kill communication. Pride will kill love. But humility, being humble and humbling ourselves can fan those dying embers of love back into life. The most powerful words you and I can speak to one another is, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, please forgive me, and then living up to it. Love can choke out the weeds of pride. The fifth blessing of being empty-handedness and coming to the Lord, being poor in spirit, it will strengthen us to overcome temptation. Being poor in spirit, it's the gateway blessing to receive the rest of these beatitudes Jesus talked about. There's uh, seven basic beatitudes, and we're going to get to them, but the first four, if we don't do the first four, Jesus said they build upon another. Jesus gave them as a model and in an order. And if they don't build one to another, and if we don't do them, we don't get the peace. We don't get the righteousness. We don't get the blessing of the Lord. So being poor in spirit, it's the beginning. It's the gateway to being blessed and to receive the rest of the blessings of the Lord. But pride is the gateway and the doorway that opens the door to many other sins. Proverbs 16, 18 tells us pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Corinthians, the New Testament version of that says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, let anyone who thinks they stand take heed lest they fall. 
If pride leads to falling, that means humility will help you stand in a time that we're living. Jesus warned his disciples then, and I believe it applies to us now, in Matthew 26, 41. Jesus said, pray because your flesh is weak. And Jesus told them, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. I believe this is a definitely a time that we as God's people need to be watching and praying. And then sixth blessing of coming to the Lord with empty handedness or realizing that we're poor in spirit. It will release us from the rain, R-E-I-G-N, of self. You see it on the, the slides. And by the way, our, the PowerPoint is available in the notes section of the app and the uh, website. So you can get those and read through them or print them out, whatever you'd like to do. Uh, so self-promotion, either self-promotion or self-deprivation, they're both sin because both of them focus on self. A.W. Tozier, a noted uh, Bible teacher and prayer warrior, said this, boasting and belittling are equally focused on self. In the end, it really doesn't make much difference whether you destroy yourself through self-deprivation or promote yourself through boasting. Self is in control, and self is always a tyrant. But if you cultivate humility, that tyrant can be overthrown. God resists the proud, but he gives grace. God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. The seventh blessing and the last one, to empty-handedness or coming to the Lord and poor in spirit, it will lead you to worship Jesus. The more you see yourself as sufficient, the less you will see in Jesus. The more you see in Jesus, the less you or I will see in ourself. Jesus Christ is never as precious to us as when we are poor in spirit. You know, the times in my life when I've gone through that dark night of the soul, that time that I felt like, man, I couldn't communicate. Nobody could help me. I was going through a struggle. It was during those times of prayer. It was during those times of going to the Lord, taking my burden to the Lord, casting my burdens on the Lord, and just literally because I couldn't feel anything. Somebody just last night told me, said, Pastor, what do you do when you get to that place? Feeling the Lord's presence is wonderful. I wish we felt it 24-7. The day's coming when we're going to be in His presence for eternity. No separation. No don't have to walk by faith. We'll be able to feel and experience and live in His presence. To be in the, to be in the Lord's presence, it's, it's fullness of joy forevermore, the Scripture tells us. But in this life, we don't always have that. There's days, there's times we have to walk by faith. And sometimes you don't feel anything. But the real child of God is going to serve God and be faithful whether you feel His presence or not. Whether you feel the goosebumps, whether you feel the tingle, whether you feel the surge of the Spirit, whatever. The real mature Christian, the one that really loves Jesus, is going to serve him no matter what. We need to join with Paul in Galatians 6, 14, when Paul said, Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only platform, the only stand, the only place that you and I have to boast. It's in Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us, what he's going to do for us. So, you know, all of this is about humility, so... How do you create humility in our life? How do you maintain it? How do you tap into this humility that says God will bless humility but resist us if we're proud? Well, 
I don't know about you, but I like to watch the DIY programs, do-it-yourself programs, and HGTV, the home renovations. I like to watch those things. Sometimes they make me kind of tired. They do so much. And to do all that they do, it would cost a fortune, and uh, it would be nice to get on the list to come in and renovate it yourself. But anyway, uh, to rebuild a house or a structure, you see from them, first, what they have to do, they have to demo. Chip Gaines, he loves Demo Day. If you've ever seen uh, them and him and uh, Joanne, uh, he loves Demo Day. That's his favorite day. But you have to demo before you can reno. So that's what happens in our spiritual realm of our life. There's some steps and disciplines that are essential. They're not hard. They're not even as physically exhausting as demolishing a house to rebuild. But, and they're really very simple. It's things that we should be doing on a regular, everyday basis anyway as God's people. Here it is. Regularly, daily, examine your life in the light of God's Word. God's Word, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13 says, love does not insist on its own way. So ask yourself when you read that, uh, as you read the Word, where am I insisting on my own way? In your marriage, in your relationship with other believers, with your children, with your parents, with your work associates, with your neighbor? Where are you insisting in your own way? It's a good question to ask yourself. Am I being humble? Am I considering others before myself? And then 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is not irritable. So uh, where am I being irritable or resentful? Good questions. Hard questions sometimes. Here's some other questions to ask yourself as you're reading the Bible. These are awesome. Just write them down and keep them there with you in your, your devotion time and when you, when you read the Word. And before you read it, or even as you read it, or after you read it, ask yourself. Here's just five possible things you can ask yourself. You may come up with more very practical things. Number one, ask yourself, is there a promise in what I'm reading to believe? Is there a promise here that I can believe? Second, is there a command that is speaking to me that I need to obey? Thirdly, is there a sin that this passage of Scripture is telling me I need to avoid? Is, and fourthly, is there a warning to heed that is given to me? I may not be doing that, but do I need to build safeguards into my spiritual life, into my thinking, into my patterns of living that I need to build up some warning system so that I don't fall into this trap? And then fifth, is there an example here to follow? Well, we don't want to follow Judas Iscariot's example, that's for sure. But you may, and some of us may not be wild about following Disciple Peter's example. He always spoke before he thought sometimes. You know, he turned out good, thank God. But maybe you want to pattern your life more about Jesus. There was a time in my life, you know, we all envy preachers or, or teachers or people that are spiritual. And we all have our favorites and we kind of envy them. And we kind of secretly say, man, I wish I had a ministry like that. And I was going through that phase in my life. And the Lord spoke to me one day and said, uh, why don't you focus on having a ministry like Jesus? Stop me in my tracks. It was quite a revelation. Since that time, I've stopped trying to be like those that I would like to have emulated and just be myself and be what Jesus wants me to be. And, you know, it is what it is, whether people like it or not. I, I just, you know, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm not where Paul, well, I'm trying to be. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, I just hope that my life can be that kind of example too one day. These questions, and maybe you can think of more, uh, they, if you answer them honestly, they'll demolish pride. They will help you overcome it. The book of James chapter 1 verse 23 and 25 said, If anyone is a hearer of the word, the Bible, the word of God, and not a doer, 
that person is like a person who looks at their natural face in the mirror. You remember you do that every morning? You probably should. If you don't, it would be good for you and the rest of us if you did that. And uh, look at your face in the mirror. For once they see themselves and they've seen themselves and gone away, that person immediately forgets what kind of person they are. But one who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God, and abides by it, lives it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this person will be blessed in what they do. What that is saying very simply, if you and I look into the scriptures, see Jesus in the word of God, set him as our model, set Jesus as our example, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we'll set Jesus as our example and not forget what we read in the Word. Now, that's, that's challenging because events happen in our life every day. Crisis come up. Challenges come up. Take our mind off. Try to get us steal our peace. But if we will meditate, and that's the importance and the value of spending enough time in the Word of God that it gets in your brain, write it out on cards, put it in your Bible, your daily calendar there, scriptures to remember that really are speaking to you that day or that week. Don't be a forgetful hearer because if you're not a forgetful hearer and you're doing your best, you're going to be blessed. It says you'll be blessed in what you do. We have to keep the mirror, God's word, before us. And in doing that, we see how far short we personally fall, but we also see the help. And, you know, this is not a condemning message. God doesn't want us to condemn ourselves, beat ourselves up. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, I don't live. God wants to see who we are in his word, but realize The power of the Holy Spirit is there to help us to become victorious in our life and stronger. You know, I've fallen. I've sinned many times, not in open worldly sin like I used to before Christ, B.C. days. But I've failed. I've failed the Lord. I've fallen. You do too. We all do. Nobody's perfect. Only one, Jesus. But I've learned to pray. I say, God, forgive me. But I always add this to the prayer. But Holy Spirit, come and power me that I won't go back there again. Teach me to walk in the power of the Spirit. And that's what the Word teaches us too. All through the book of Romans, if you give, if you you listen to the Spirit, yield to the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're we're a piece of work. And uh, God's not finished on us. It's all a process. So examine yourself in the light of God's Word. Model yourself on the Son of God who lived God's Word as a human. And because Jesus lived God's Word as a human... So can we. Good news. Praise the Lord. And though who know their poverty and spirit before the Lord, they are the ones who are going to be blessed. I end with this comment today. How poor are those who think themselves rich? How rich are those who see themselves poor? Jesus said, blessed are those who were poor in spirit, who realize they don't have in themselves all that they need within themselves. We need the Lord's help. We need to surrender. We need to surrender our will to the Lord. Some people have surrendered and said, I believe in Jesus. He's the Savior. He's the Son of God. They've accepted what Jesus has done. But many Christians even today and unbelievers, they have not surrendered their will to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray for you today. Sylvia's going to come and we're going to celebrate and, and uh, commemorate communion. So if you take your elements, whatever you were able to find there in the home and get those ready after we pray we're going to do this and, and have communion. Thank you so much for watching today. If you can call others or get in touch with others, let them know the 11 service, 1130 service Sorry, will appear for them regular time. And then Wednesday night, 715, we'll be back. Uh, I've been uh, live streaming daily, so uh, go on our app, our website. 
And uh, you can hear those little devotional messages, Sylvia and I are sharing, having prayer with you, sharing the Word of God, sharing any updates, trying to only share news that is real, that is honest and relevant to you to prepare you and help us all through this time. We love you. The staff here loves you. Their, uh, Pastor Greg and Pastor Josue have made their uh, children's uh, or young people's uh, presentations. You can find them on the website. And uh, Greg will be posting every Friday. I'm not sure about Pastor Josue, but you can catch them up. I'm sure Pastor JR is going to do something with the young adult. And uh, Pastor Rush, his uh, school of ministry and Wednesday night Bible studies have been posted for last week. So you're, you're stay connected. Uh, you're not dropped. You're not forgotten about. We're praying for you. We love you. Call the office. Uh, email us. Uh, text us if you know those numbers. And let us know of needs you have and uh, praise reports you have. We're believing through this. God is going to give us awesome opportunities even as our, as our uh, choices and options become limited. It doesn't stop the Lord. I pray for you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray God's peace, His shalom, his mercy, His grace keeps your mind and your spirit settled. Those that trust in the Lord, those that keep their heart fixed on the Lord, He will keep you in perfect peace because your mind is stayed. That's a key word. Your mind is stayed upon Him, not torn apart by the news or what's happening. Your heart, your mind is stayed and fixed on Him. In Jesus' name, we bless you. Fathers, we take the elements today, the bread the juice we thank you that you Lord Jesus made a covenant with the Heavenly Father on our behalf and we thank you Lord as we take this bread as we take this cup we remind ourselves you told us as often as we did it to do it in remembrance of you who you are what you did what you continue to do for us Lord thank you Father we love you Lord, as we take this, we, we commit ourselves to that covenant. As a bride commits herself to a husband, as a husband commits himself to a bride, that's the relationship and even greater. It's an eternal marriage. It's an eternal relationship. Lord, our earthly marriages are just types, symbols of that eternal marriage that we have for you. Father, you're a good father. Jesus, Yeshua, you're the best Savior. You're the best bridegroom that there ever has been. You paid the price of our salvation to make us your bride. You left the down payment, the Holy Spirit here with us, as earnest money showing you're coming back for us. And you're at the Father's house right now preparing a place for us. hearts yearn, Lord, to be with you. We know it's not yet, but we know it's coming. And we ask you today, Lord, again, as we take these elements, and maybe some of them didn't even have the elements, but Lord, the peace, the grace of God, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the broken body that Jesus bore on that cross at Calvary, bore the stripes, the beating, the thorns, the crown, the beatings, the spitting, the humiliation all that you bore in your body the blood that you shed on the cross every drop of it just one drop of it has the power to forgive the whole universe of its sin 
We thank you today, God. We thank you for the ability, oh God, to be with your people, Lord. Nothing can separate us from your love, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord. We receive this bread today as the body of Jesus. And we celebrate you. We celebrate you. We thank you, Lord. We're more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Take the bread in the name of Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus, we're so thankful that you came and you gave your life, that you shed your blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And just like in the Old Testament, the blood was put above the doorpost so the death angel would pass over. And today, as we take this symbol of your blood, we ask you to wash us. We ask you to cleanse us. And we ask you to put the blood over our doorposts yes. and of our families. Every family. Oh, God, that no disease, no coronavirus will come near our dwelling. Father, we declare your name and your blood. Today, we declare that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord, that you reign, and your blood never loses its power. We declare that over this wow house, over over our neighborhoods and over this nation. We declare the blood of Jesus Christ over our nation again. And we honor you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords as we take this. Father, as we receive this day, cleansing from our sins, healing from our sicknesses and diseases, in Jesus' name. you we'll be in touch with you this week call somebody check on them show christian fruit of the spirit be joyful realize we're more than conquerors through jesus who loves us god bless you we love you